I would like to acknowledge that the Teach Reach podcast is operating on the unceded traditional territories of the Matsky, Kwantlen, Ketsi, and Semihamu First Nations. Growing up on ancestral territory of the Taino people, and now as an uninvited guest on Turtle Island, I recognize the immense impact that the land has had on me. The land has taught me respect, reciprocity, reverence, humility, and responsibility. Through indigenous knowledges, I learned that the land carries stories, histories, medicine, and gifts that enable us to reflect and connect with ourselves and our communities. As a stories-focused podcast, I understand the value of investigating place and space to grapple with real-world issues. I seek to support the ways that indigenous peoples are using to protect their land and communities. It is my intention to continue learning how to properly honor and care for the place where I live. Welcome to Teach Reach Podcast, a podcast to explore human connection through shared stories. Stories are what we store in the vault of our heart. Through them, we are exposed to a variety of voices to understand the narratives that shape our communities. We are all stories, those we know, those we live through, those we fabricate, and those we wish to deconstruct. However, we are not always at the center of those stories. We teach. You reach. Hey, Tungi, tell me about Palesa. Palesa is a force to be reckoned with, a true embodiment of artistry, spirituality, and community building. As a spoken word and jazz artist, an intuitive mindset coach, and a captivating host of the Sound on Siren podcast, Palesa defies convention with their multidimensional spirit, multidisciplinary talents. And I had an immense privilege of delving into their world, discovering the thread that ties their passions and purpose together, um, the profound connection that they have with the land, celestial guidance of astrology. We had a chance to explore unique inspirations that fuel Palesa's creative fire. And it was a marvelous conversation uh, I, i've laughed like I, I have not laughed in a long time and also i felt that i was in the hands of a competent and caring teacher so i invite people to enjoy the ride tag us share this podcast and welcome to season three so can be la palagi hang in there don't give up glad that we had to reschedule because it gave me a little bit of time for me to do my homework a little bit on <laughs> on understanding you know um your your yourself as a as a poet singer um as a podcaster as a um event organizer community builder um so it's just so i i needed time so <laughs> thank you for that. I'm glad it works out. You see, this is why I make my schedule so busy, you know, so that you can work it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, I'm really, I'm really, <laughs> I'm really happy to be here. I feel like we also connected when I was doing my first podcast. 
I think it was the mm-hmm. first time that we connected. And then I created my second podcast. Um, and it's been really interesting, this uh, area of podcasting. And maybe this is something that we can talk about and kind of just share um, how you have experienced it. But I get so caught up in like, because I know I'm awesome. I know I'm amazing. You know, I know that what I have to say is valuable. I know that um, I have a type of voice that makes people stop and listen, you know, and consider what I'm saying. And I don't take that lightly. I don't, I don't take that to manipulate people. I try to really harness it and share with people the things that I do find valuable, the lessons that I have learned and those that I've um, heard and has been passed down from other people. But I also get caught up in like trying to make a really good podcast, a podcast that would be sponsored, a podcast that get the numbers, the ratings, the all this kind of stuff. And and it, there's always this battle between uh, uh, inside me between like being this, like you said, mosaic of a person that has so many things that they do. And then also doing a podcast, which in a lot of ways, even to this day, is thought of as like touching on one particular theme, on one particular thing. And that's kind of what keeps your community center, your community central and like what you're doing grounded. And I'm just like, but I don't want to talk about the same thing over and over again. Like I'm such a dynamic person. Like I change from Monday to Friday. I want you to know all the thousand things I've decided to become uh, every single week. Wow. So we can stop the podcast right there. Like you just you just <laughs> That's the sign of a of a great teacher because um you, you and we will we will get into that. Um when I when I converse with people, it's not really an interview, it's a dialogue and and I love sharing the spaces, the the mindset, the the doubts, the questions whatever we can whatever can be birthed in that space it's open right mm-hmm. um but i i totally relate with being someone like a mosaic of things and you would like to represent everything that you do to people on the outside but you also have that internal dialogue with yourself of like do i want to share this um, am i talking about this too much is it redundant and then you fall into into the trap of like, well, this didn't do the numbers that I wanted. But in the episode, I talked about, I don't care about numbers. And then you're like... <laughs> you're like, wait, I'm a walking hypocrite. Like, what is it? Like, I'm literally a walking hypocrite because I don't care. And I talk about all this lovely self-awareness, you know, spiritual stuff. Like, you're so much mm-hmm. more than the numbers. Your value is innate, blah, 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 blah. And then I'm sitting there being like, I hope there's at least a thousand of you that have listened to me tell you that your value is innate, you know, almost just right. like... And I, and, I, and I think for me, I've always related impact to... um multiple people and almost this ripple effect and ripple change that happens Mm. you know if you talk to one person and you influence their life inevitably that change influences everybody whether they mention you again whether you are the legacy that carries on or the legacy is the change that you've inspired is what I'm trying to grapple with now is like what do I actually take as legacy what do I actually take as my impact and how can that help me to focus on the numbers for the things that I want to achieve in terms of sponsorship, but to not focus on it in terms of um, giving me the permission or the authority to continue and to be consistent in what I'm doing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, I totally, 
I, I feel like you're preaching. Um, so I am with Palessa. Um, Palessa is a podcaster, a singer, a poet, spoken word artist, community builder, community community orienter, community gatherer, um, multidisciplinary artist, multidimensional person. So buckle up people because uh because we're gonna we're gonna dive and and if you had the chance to follow palessa on on social media or listen to their podcast it's sometimes the podcasts are eight minutes but it take eight days to to really grasp it so so i think like there's a there's a formula that you have found on on not not to give too much so we can have time to digest and chew on things. But I'm mm-hmm. really, really glad to have you on, on the Teach Reach podcast. I'm, I'm, I've been following you for a long time on your socials, on different podcasts that you appeared and listening to your podcast, Sound on Sirens, Sound on Siren, not, not S, and, and listening to your poems, your 30-day poetry challenge. And, and wow. It it will take a lifetime to really dig dig deep into into what you do. Um, and and speaking of lifetime, my my first question I would say would be, how did you get to call Turtle Island where we are right now this this muscuum unceded territory? How did you get to call that space home? Um. So I came from a ship. I'm kidding. <laughs> I was like, I came from a ship in the sky. They call it a UFO, but it's actually God's hands. I'm just kidding. Um, so I came. I'm South African. Um, my name is Palisa Koitziwe. I use they, them pronouns. Um, I come from the land of Tlakung, which is inside Rustenburg, which is inside this uh, province called the Northwest in South Africa. Uh, yeah, in South Africa. Um, I came here in 20, October of 2015 with the initial intention to do my PhD at UBC in neuroscience. Um, which I didn't get into, by the way, because writing the GREs is hard and tricky, especially if you don't study for them. Because you think, oh, I was so smart at school. If they're just asking like regular school questions, like I'm obviously going to get it. No, don't play yourself. But um, I decided to come here to pursue that, but also follow my partner at the time. Um, And just trying to figure out like, how do I give myself an opportunity to learn who I am, but to also become an adult? It was, I found it very hard to morph into an, an, an adult under the, my parents' roof because I didn't have the means as of yet to leave home and go like find my own place. But going to another country for school kind of gave me that access almost. Um, I got here after a tumultuous journey taking three flights because I didn't have a lot of money. So I took the cheapest way to get here. Three flights, two connecting, got stuck in one of the airports in Europe because I didn't have the right transit visa. Because at that time, like nine years ago, I did not know what a transit visa was. And so got stuck in the airport. Nobody wanted to help me except for this old, wonderful man who was just like feeling so sympathetic for me, so empathetic for me that he went to the counter and I don't know what he said to them, 
but they bought me a ticket and I managed to get here to uh, Turtle Island and even just learning about these lands being called Turtle Island, you know, who they belong to, the lands of the Musqueam, depending on where you are, you know, the Squamish, the Tsleil-Waututh, uh, the Stolo folks. Uh, I've heard about, you know, different First Nations peoples in different places. But this is a learning that I've had now for, I want to say, the past four years. I've been here for almost nine years. When I got here, even in my journeys to research before coming here, this information was nowhere to be found. I didn't even mm. know there were, you know, indigenous people to these lands. Mm. I thought it was literally a place that they discovered that, you know, didn't necessarily have life before it. They really sold us on that in terms of what was on the internet at that point. So I'm really fortunate to be able to know the truth about the lands, to have connection to the lands, to have been permitted to have connection to these lands in a particular way, you know, with some First Nations folks as well, and building an understanding of just how just how important it is to understand the lands from which you come from. Being mm -hmm. here and learning about First Nations folks made me really yearn for my own cultural understanding of my homelands, you know, even though I was born in Africa and I can trace like where I was born, who I'm from, all this kind of stuff. And I have that access to that connection. I've never really thought about my connection to land in the way that I thought about it when I was here, um, in the way that I now participate with my lands back home when I go and visit. It's, it's just really changed mm. what I think about when I think about land, when I think about growing and cultivating and you know even speaking of my clan name when I introduce myself and speaking of my people is something that I've just recently been doing you know and inviting myself into that because that talks about the particular lands I'm from and the skill set and my great 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 grand you know ancestral names and it's like this really coming together and enveloping myself in the protection that I have but also it centralizes me to where I am, how I am, why I am, and when I am every single day. It's interesting because I, I had the same relationship with the land as you described. Mm -hmm. I'm from Haiti and I moved to Montreal and then moved here to, to the place called Vancouver. And, and it's not until I got here that I started to really honor my own ancestry or my own land or my own belonging and my own relationship with with the land right understanding what the land gives what the, what that the land sustain us that that the land should be valued that the land should be revered right um and understanding as well the the lies that been fed to us prior to immigrating here it resonated with me what 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 you said here about the relationship with with the land um and and so the the bridge that i see from from what you mentioned in terms of like rediscovering or regoing going back to your relationship with your own land it, on your podcast sound on siren you do a little bit of you lo you do a lot of history of jazz and history the roots of music and and your own journey with um pan africanism mm -hmm. what how would you describe that journey with with um understanding pan africanism and your own 
ancestry or relationship with with the land how would you how would you describe that relationship it's really interesting because um the sound and siren podcast was born out of my own kind of reclamation of my culture my essence my understanding of my ancestry i've always had this uh i've always understood that my family and in particular my dad's side of the family because in our culture you take your father's side of things that's how we see it even in a a, a spirited sense you know you, you 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 are embodied by your ancestral lineage on your father's side <clears throat> as the dominant but then also your mother's side has that ancestral uh, lineage connected to you as well because you are made from both but there's almost this like hierarchy of where most of that energy, where most of your skills, where most of your uh, spiritual purpose comes from um, and which side it kind of comes from. Right. So I've always known essentially that in my, uh, on my on my father's side, there's been a royalty, both like a physical royalty as in like kings and chiefs and whatnot, but also a royalty and a richness in spirit a royalty and a richness in language, a royalty and a richness in just con conversation in um, our, our, our linguistic ability. And I've always just known this as a kid, even before I knew what I was feeling, I've just known like there was something about me and there was something about us, you know, and it was really because of my ancestors. And so I've always been the one who asks questions, who's I, um, I'm the one in my family, in my siblings who speaks the language a little bit better, who understands the language a little bit better outside of my parents, obviously. Uh, I grew up with my dad's parents, my grandparents, and so could only speak Sotswana, which is the that side of my culture. So Sotswana people only speak Sotswana. Um, and kind of growing up in that environment, you know, um, it wasn't any supernatural childhood other than somebody else, but it's just the way that my grandparents would cater to me, the way that they would raise me, the way that my grandmother would talk to me was always like your star. You know, I already see you doing great things. I already see you being this beacon. I already see you mm. achieving everything you want to achieve. She just always knew I was going to be incredible. And so when you're born into that, there's no way that you don't think that you're incredible. There's no way that you don't think that you have value and purpose. And so I've always asked the question, like, as I grow up and I'm remembering these memories in my childhood, so I ask my dad questions, I ask my cousins questions. And so over the years, these questions have become less of what's the memory of me, but like, who are we? What do we do? What is our skill set? You know, like, what is our, what's our stamp in the world, in this space? And I started to get answers about that. And, you know, my great grandfather, yeah, my great grandfather was the advisor to the chief, right? So the right hand man to the chief, who, if if we're thinking about advisors, is problem solvers, right? People who are going to be listening to you, people who are somehow uh, sensitive, very intuitive, you know, people who are dependable in that way, people who are quote unquote life coaches. If we fast forward many many years to today, right? Yeah. And so when I'm really, as I was really carving through what do I want to do who do I want to be these things came very natural to me to talk to people people to talk to me and etc so I was asking all these questions while trying to find my own identity 
and learning about my great grandfather and learning about my grandfather and the roles that they held in society were very much the very particular role I hold today in society as an orator, as a storyteller, you know, as somebody who is an advisor in many, many different ways, you know, somebody who is very philosophical, you know, very logical um, in that way and very valuable to society because I hold the wisdom, but I'm also able to take that wisdom and articulated for an everyday person who might not always know the language, right. That people like to use, um, Mm. as we study something. So, um, so, so asking these questions, I just kind of started finding more and more and more about my ancestry and linking, honestly, what has been my life's journey, what my ancestry is, but what my skill also is in connection to the land is growing stuff. I have a, what they would call a green thumb in the West. But mm. this is not just like, oh, I have a green thumb. I know how to water my plants regularly. In my family, my lineage, we're actually farmers, right? We're actually cultivators of the land. You know, we're people of the sand, we're people of the soil, and we're people of the grass. And those are all the places where things are growing. Those are all fertile. Those are all about, you know, you're able to have the sand that you can fertilize, but you also have to have relationship to it to know the temperature, all of this kind of stuff, how to feed it. Because as you feed it, it feeds you. So really my connection to land, to answer your question, is like learning about who I am, my purpose, what my great-grandparents were doing, what their life was about, but also the things that I'm really good at and understanding that, it's not just a physical goodness. I'm good at these things intrinsically and spiritually, but they're not going to look the same because I don't have a tree growing inside me spiritually, right? If we think about spirit being inside, I don't have a tree essentially growing. I don't have soil in that way. But from caring about this plant, it's cared for me and taught me so many amazing things and has actually asked me to look at my ancestry from that spiritual way. So uh, I feel like I've try to answer your question in all of the different ways but i oh hope i've God. captured yep. all the corners <laughs> oh the co- listen like there's there's no what is the expression again there's no stone left unturned or something like that yeah. is that is that <laughs> is that an expression that we could use no that's that's beautiful and and coming from someone myself who i don't know much about plants um we we i grew up with you know, plants around me. You know, that was more my my mother's department in a way. I, I was always like not paying attention or but now I, I, I wish I had. I wish I, I and, and I, I think what I see in your in your answer is that it's it's never too late because those things are always available to us. Right? It's up to us to pay attention. It's up to us to investigate. It's up to us also. There's a listening component. Because mm-hmm. you mentioned that the, the land or the plant or the, the the ways told you, but you had to, you know, pause and sit and, and listen and pay attention and be open to mm. receiving that information, that questioning, that reflection, that poking sometimes of our soul. Um and, and I and I feel I feel that deeply into into my core. And and mm. also in your in your in all your reels, there's always plants around. And I'm like, do you live in a botanical garden? Or or is it <laughs> right? Because there's always plants around. And I'm like, okay, well, I mean, that's kudos to you. You have a lot of plants. But but now I understand the 
the the presence of plant and um and there's a grounding nature nature mm-hmm. to it so so speaking of grounding one question that i love asking my guests it's it's we do know that in life we will encounter difficult times times that are challenging and hard what anchors you when times are hard what anchors me when times are hard um uh, i grew up religious um i grew up christian <clears throat> went to a christian church i mean this is like african africans participating in christianity um mm. but i grew up in a, in an african church um it's called the african congregational church uh and so learned about god you know learned about um jesus but never learned about these figures as being white or black or anything like that right just mm. kind of learned mm the essence of the Bible, again, the stories. And I think something that I've always had innately within myself is to understand conversation and communication and messages as stories. These are just underlying at the end of everything outside of the propaganda. Everything is a story. Everything is storytelling. Mm. That's what we, that's the world we live in, you know? And so really learning the Bible in that way. And when I was younger, you know, I was all about church. I was going to church. I, you know, I wanted to wear the uniform, you know, there's different <laughs> levels of graduating. When you're in a church, I was in the church choir. You know, my mom wasn't a, a, a preacher or anything like that, but she was very, very involved in the caretaking aspect of church and like the committees and stuff like that. And obviously being a goody two shoes myself as a way to protect myself in society, you know, she'd always like show me off to her friends at Mm. church. And I'd be the child who's like always baking the biscuits or like helping out or washing the dishes and stuff like that, you know? So growing up in church really taught me a lot of things about life and really gave me an opportunity to see that the the Bible or religion isn't just focused on praying to this person, this being that is outside of you, but it's also about community. It's also about relationship building with one another. It's in really reading the Bible and then practicing it within that church community, you know, treating each other in a particular way, you know, expressing in a particular way. And Obviously, it's broken, it's jaded because we're humans, you know, it's very patriarchal, you know, very misogynistic, you know, the, 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 the way that the church is kind of set up in its structure. But what keeps me grounded is I'm so thankful that I had the opportunity to learn about God because I, I feel like learning about God in the way that I see God is really learning about the true spirited essence of everything right? The true spirited essence of the plants, the true spirited essence of this inanimate object, the couch, which in our everyday life, we don't see as living and breathing, but actually has its own vibration and essence as well. And so when I learned about God, when I was younger, it was about as well, this, this father that's sitting in the clouds, almost above you, you know, guiding you, protecting you, leading you. Where now when I think about God and and finding that grounding in prayer, you know, it's like praying, praying by yes, closing my eyes and praying and saying my wishes and, you know, laying my burdens, but also praying as in lighting my candle, praying as in cooking my meal, praying as in doing this podcast, you know, praying, I'm trying to find a way to ground into making my life the altar 
as opposed to only having this little small space for altar and for prayer and for worship. It's like, how can I turn my whole life into this way of worshiping God? And God is the essence and the spiritedness that everything is one. Everything is valuable. You know, everything Mm -hmm. is love. And so how do I really calculate that? So that's what keeps me grounded is understanding that not, not only do I have that philosophy, but also that I'm living, breathing it every single day in the ways that I am in my bedroom. I have an altar on my windowsill, so a physical altar space that I use to come and ground in. Um, I read tarot so uh, as well. I read tarot for myself and for other people. I learn mm-hmm. about astrology. I learn about human design. I try to learn about all of these things, all of these scientific things that can give me a better understanding towards connecting with spirit and my intuition. Nice, beautiful. You're mm-hmm. you're a true philosopher. Um, I am. And and it's it's um it's and you're a true philosopher and a true storyteller. And sometimes I don't I don't think there's a difference between a philosopher and a storyteller. It's kind of like the same, but we like labeling things. So we label philosopher one side and storyteller the other side. Speaking of 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 philosopher storyteller, and you mentioned, you know, you you read tarot and astrology. The question that I think everybody that is a little bit tapped in in astrology right now at this very moment is asking, how are you dealing with Virgo season? Um, how is it going? <laughs> well, we're just. Um, I mean. I don't necessarily have, I haven't been much affected yet by Virgo Mm. season. I feel Mm. like I was mostly affected by this blue, blue moon, you know, the super moon that we are, that we just had on Wednesday. So the super moon was actually in my, uh, in my, in my sun sign. I'm a Pisces and it was the super Mm. moon in Pisces. And that has been knocking me for days. Like I have been feeling the most, uh, irritated and irritable Mm. than Mm. I've felt this whole year. Like everything just irritates me. It doesn't piss me off. doesn't make me angry. just irritates me. It's just like, Mm -hmm. I just want to flick it, you know? If it's a person, I just want to flick their forehead. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just want to flick them. Like that's, it's just, that's the energy that I've been in. It's just so irritated and irritable. Um, And I feel as though for me, like all, all of the different uh, seasons that come along don't affect me as much, don't give as much of an effect to me, or at least that I can visibly see and consciously process. But the moon cycles, that Mm. definitely knocks me. And any retrograde, oh, call it a day. (laughs) Call it a day. Close down the earth. Fold it like a book and put it in a shelf please yes these retrogrades and the fact that we have seven planets retrograde thankfully venus is about to station direct but the fact that we have these seven planets retrograde is nuts mm. Mm. it's nuts mm. it's it's can, been a lot yeah can, can you i have a vague understanding of retrograding however i'm not i'm i'm tapping slowly into you know embracing the fact that the invisible or the things that are far have an impact on on us on the visible 
right? It, it is linked. I'm, I'm tapping into that slowly, um, especially mm-hmm. in the astrological part. What, what would, in the, in, in the way that you know, what would be a way to describe a retrograde and, and its impact on, on us? <laughs> on, on Absolutely. Us Absolutely. So um, as we know it, movement is something that, or like, um, I guess, yeah, movement is something that we think about as a forward thing, right? When you're moving, we're thinking of going forward and we're thinking of things gradually progressing forward. We also align this with things going well, right? If you're moving forward towards your purpose, towards your goal, things are going really well. You're liking how things are going. Things are developing. You know, the doors are opening. The projects are coming in. The guests are saying yes, for example, you know, to come on the podcast. You know, things are really moving so vibrantly. When we think of retrogrades, what actually happens to the energy and not necessarily the planet itself, when we're thinking of retrograde is that the energy of the planet, so Jupiter, Mercury, Mars, whatever it might be, is spinning in reverse, right? Mm -hmm. And so when something is retro, retro is in the past, retro is behind us, grade is the level. So the level that we're at is going in the past is going in reverse. And so the momentum is getting slowed down. Right. So we're getting pulled down. So retrograde, we'd face a lot of things that are slowing down, projects that are stalled. Right. Something that is canceled. So the energy is just a little bit muted. Everything needs to be reconsidered. So there's just a break that happens when we're in retrograde. There's a break. Things are a little bit slower. Maybe you were thinking about the podcast and, you know, all the ideas were going great and the guests were saying yes. And then you hit a retrograde. And now you can't actually have an in-person and you have to pivot. For example, what happened in the pandemic, we had to pivot and go virtual. In that mm-hmm. moment of pivoting, before you came to the solution of going virtual, you were recalculating, reflecting, recalibrating. A lot of things about your podcast might have changed. You might have changed the direction. You might have changed the theme. But it's necessary for you to go through that change to get to where your podcast is now, right? Because at one point before, that was encapsulated in the goal that you were looking for. So retrogrades are just these moments of pause and reflection and, you know, recalculating everything that you're doing. But a lot of the times, the jargon or the propaganda around retrogrades is like, you should be afraid of them or like, oh, mm. you're going to die or like something bad is going to happen. Like, you know, you're going to burn, you're going to lose your house. Oh my God. You know, you're going to become homeless or whatever the case might be. But it's like, no, a retrograde is no better than when things are direct or station direct, which is what it means when things are propelling forward. Mm-hmm. It just means that the doors that are opening are doors that are causing you to think a little bit more to recalculate a little bit more and then once it stations direct you take all of those pieces that you've revisited and now you're establishing that route forward so we're not, we're not ever going to perpetually stay in retrograde mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. wow um is it on purpose that you you probably am, am the, the being a poet is such is so embedded in you that you speak in alliterations, right? You're able to use the the recalibrate, retransfer, reflect, and and it's like it's like a music. It's sung. It's it's like it's singing. Um. So so you make the bridge perfectly for me because I wasn't going there, but I'm like I w- I would be an idiot not to pick up the 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 pattern and the 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 rhythm 
that was in your in your answer and and yes you made you made that retrograde um explanation clear um clearer for me at least mm-hmm. and and also um demystify as well the or or kind of like putting on a more positive light or objective light the fact that movement is movement so we are the one who applied a kind of like a false lens to like moving always mean forward mm-hmm. but movement is movement right uh, i mean it's us up, up to us to to an- analyze that movement and 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 act accordingly to that movement you mm-hmm. we are the one who apply that forward that forward part part to it um so so recalibrating and and reflecting and and that how what inspires you as a writer as a spoken word artist as a as someone who has a facility with words that that they are embedded in your nature in your in you what what inspires you to do what to generate to, to, the words to to write to mm. to to express what 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 inspires you life honestly the fact that i'm living and breathing is the biggest inspiration like i've i've I'm naturally a linguist. I'm naturally a conversationalist. I'm naturally obsessed with language. Like I've been, so growing up, um, being bilingual, I know how to speak about, I want to say eight languages. Um, and most of them are South African languages and then two colonized languages. Um, so being able to speak dynamic languages has been something that's been in my life forever right mm-hmm. my dad and my mom speak two different languages um in our neighborhood all the kids spoke their own languages but we come together and we'd all talk to each other in our own languages but still understand and hear each other from context mm-hmm. clues and such and so growing up in an environment like that context clues in terms of body language context clues in terms of what other different meanings that could be coming from this space and how do i find my way to grappling with each of them and then bringing them together as well to make up what it is somebody could be saying. So when somebody is usually talking to me, I'm an active listener, but I'm also able to somehow in my body sense all of the other possible meanings that they could be talking about so that when they land on whatever meaning they're actually expressing, I know and I can tap into whatever it is anybody says to me. And I think that's a gift, quite honestly. I think I'm just gifted in being able to understand language in that way and to be able to generate then language in the way that I do. Um, I've been writing poetry since I was 13. I got introduced to poetry in high school in grade eight. And it's always just been a part of me. I went home and I started writing and I knew I was good. You know, if I was to give my poem to my teacher, they probably score it in whatever scoring way they want to score it. But it's not about the score. It's about the meaning. It's about the feeling. It's about the sensation that people get. But it's also about leaving you thinking. I think what I really love about language and the way that I use language is to clarify, but to also uh, invite another understanding. You know, it's like, I'll answer your question, but I'll also leave you with something that maybe you've never heard before, right? Or a way of looking at something that you've never looked at it before. And you're like, oh, damn, 
Okay, cool. I love that. That's my favorite compliment. When somebody is like, I never thought of it that way. I'm like, yes, <laughs> let's go. Revolutionize. Let's go. And um, I have been told before that when I speak, it does sound like singing because I am so melodic in the way that I speak. But again, you know, my pronunciation and stuff like that is something that when I was younger, I developed a stutter. So I went to speech therapy to um, not have a stutter and to be able to speak with a, as little of a stutter as possible. But every now and then in circumstances when I'm really nervous or really activated, the stutter does come back. And um, it's not something that I try to not do, but that's something else that's programmed my mind from when I was younger Yeah, for language and like understanding language and programming myself on how do I become accessible in my language to many people. Um, and it's so great also that people like the tone of my voice as well, I think is really, um, is really great. So yeah, it's, I don't know, I'm outside of saying, maybe it's Maybelline, maybe I'm born with it, you know, like Beyonce said it best. I really did wake up like this. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> the queen, the, the queen is always, the queen is always right. Um, always, we, we, we know and and speaking of which like i mean one of the goal of this podcast too it's one day to have beyonce on the podcast we're gonna Ooh. give a big we're gonna give a big shout out to beyonce in here and it's very soon her birthday in like two three days maybe so so um, um beyonce is a virgo so um shout out to beyonce on this track and uh and <laughs> we hope that you know and maybe when beyonce comes we'll invite you to palessa to to co-host you know we'll have her Let's with go. you i love this y'all have heard it here first we're gonna hold him to it we're gonna hold him to it bay i love you i'm ready i'm ready to interview you let's have this linguistic conversation let's go that's right linguistic conversation and myself i write poetry as well um i've been writing since i'm i don't know 12 13 years old and at first very very bad poetry that i'm very very ashamed to even read right now um a couple of months ago one of my aunties gave i i, I still call that an act of treason she gave <laughs> she gave my original book uh my original notebook that i had my first poems she gave it to my wife and and my wife has been taking a pleasure and a delight of every now and then reading one of them out loud. And so my own family, um, yeah, it's betrayed me. That's betrayal. That's, that's one of the things. So. <laughs> I'm so sorry that you feel betrayed. I'm hey, so sorry. I mean, I, I thought I, I should have buried those poems, but I didn't. So my auntie had them and she gave them to my, to my wife. But I, I, I very, I'm very connected to words and I, and I see things sometimes in words. And, and my question for you about seeing things in words is that your podcast is called Sound on Siren. Mm -hmm. And if we break down the, the, uh, the acronym, it's an SOS. What, what was the, and an SOS, it's, it's, a, it's a call for, it's an urgent call. What is, what is the urgency that you see for that podcast to exist or that you see in the world? What is the, 
Yeah, what is the emergency? What is the urgency? Why SOS? SOS because, you know, we're all silence. We're all silence. You know, when I think about my podcast and 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 what and the reason why I created it is because I'm inspired by life itself. You know, to me life is a siren and every time I hear a siren like an ambulance or something like that, I always think about acting whether it's like you know, I'm thinking about, oh my goodness, somebody is injured somewhere, or I'm thinking, move my car out of the way, or, mm. you know, if it's a car alarm, I'm thinking, oh, I need to check on my car, you know, if it's a, a, a truck backing up, I think I need to get out of the way, you know, if it's a fire alarm in the house, we think we need to evacuate, you know, so these sirens, these noises, these alarms are always causing us to act, think, behave in a particular way. But if we only reserve the word siren for those things, and we only reserve the word siren for the sirens and the mermaids in the water that used to lure the pirates, you know, and seduce them. And then in some mythologies, they say to, that, that they would kill them or whatever the case is. If we only reserve a siren to emergency of a threat of death, then we can never really see the beauty of the things that we are called to intuitively that are also sirening us and calling to us to do something, to make a change, to have that effort to be whatever it is you want to be. You know, you might listen to a song by Huma Sigela and be inspired to write lyrics to that song. You know, you might have a conversation with a friend and be inspired to change your life. You might go to a church sermon and, you know, listen to your pastor and be inspired to go and say something, to speak up for yourself. All of those things are sirens in their own right that are beckoning us. They are calling us to change and to do something and to be a particular way. So really SOS to me, the urgency of it is to allow people to tap into their purpose. My motto for the work that I do, I call myself a steward of liberation. And I liberate people through purpose. I liberate people on purpose. And that purpose, that liberation is the call, right, to answer. Because I feel like for me, freedom is not only, you know, not being told by somebody what to do, but freedom is when I have an inclination to do something and I'm able to do it. That to mm -hmm. me is freedom. That to me is liberation, you know? And so SOS is really about figure out where you're from, find your history, find your past, find all of these things, but not so you can be stuck there because you're not living in 1977. You're living in 2022. Soon enough, we'll be in 2030, some of us, you know? How do we get to 2030 and not feel like, yeah, we've been hearing all of these other things, but we're not inspiring to other people? You are. Do you know how many times you inspire somebody and you don't even know it? Mm -hmm. When you're wearing that pink or salmon shirt that you're wearing and you're outside doing your la-di-da stuff, there's somebody out there who's looking at you like, oh my goodness, how can that straight black man be wearing a pink shirt? As a fellow straight black man, it inspires me to be open. You don't know what you're sparking for people. And this is the thing about my, it's like, I, I, I wish I could just shake everybody in the world and be like, dude. You don't know how much you're inspiring somebody at every single moment. Something that you think is random when you go so willingly, so openly and sing at a bus stop 
You don't know. Somebody's been waiting for that permission to be able to let loose. And you mm. are the person that is permitting them. You're not always going to talk to. No, it's not everybody who you inspire that's going to be like, oh, my gosh, you inspire me. I love you. You changed my life. No, you know. And so I want to remind people urgently live as the inspiration that you are. Urgently live as the inspiration that you are in your authenticity. Wow. I feel I feel charged, man. I feel called. I feel like I feel like someone is act, asking me to act, right? Um and 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 I love the idea of liberation and freedom and giving ourselves the permission. My my I don't I'm curious why do why can't we find that siren in us that that call what, what can cloud what can cloud our so much noise around us how do mm -hmm. we how do we tap in into into that that call to hear that faint siren how can we mm. do that I mean, I think the hearing part, right, I think is really understanding and synthesizing for yourself what the hearing part is. The hearing part is not necessarily a sound, you know, the mm. hearing part is not always your ears. It's not always listening with your ears. It could be listening with your heart, listening with your hands, you know, it could be listening with your conversation, right? It could be listening with the bus that you're taking, it could be listening with your eyes, right? It could be listening with your mind. And so cultivating and trying to parse through when you feel inspired when you feel inspired stop for a second and locate the inspiration where where is feeling inspired how do you know you're feeling inspired for some people when they feel inspired they get really excited for some people when they feel inspired they get really quiet you know For some people, when they feel inspired, they need to talk about it. They need to share it today, you know? So when you're listening, what are you listening? Where does your inspiration hit you? Because inspiration is intuition. It's the same thing, you know? That permission is your intuition. So when I'm hearing this question, I'm, I'm, what, I'm, what I'm hearing is instead, how do we tap into our intuition? How do we allow ourselves to listen to our intuition? Because that is inspiration. Because when you're walking the same route you've walked for three years, going to the same job, but one day you decide to turn left instead of right, that's your intuition. And when at the end of that block, you meet a smell that reminds you of when you were younger and you were playing soccer and you haven't played soccer in 30 years, and you're like, damn, I love playing soccer. That 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 inspiration comes from your intuition to listen to yourself, to trust that when you say go left instead of right, you have to trust yourself. You have to be willing to trust yourself and to trust the choices that you're making, good or bad. Mm. Right. And so mm. really coming to what does it mean to listen? How do you hear the siren is trusting yourself? You have to develop a level of self-trust. You might not understand why you need to go left instead of right, but if you trust that you will have your back, whether when you go left, you meet a lion, or when you go left, you meet a pot of gold, you need to trust that it's okay. Either way, I have made the right decision for me, mm. right? And the more that we get into that zone of, I trust myself. Even when I was walking in the dark, 
and then you bump your toe and it hurts so badly it hurts you're like why did i get out of bed because i could have held my pee i didn't need to pee even in that moment you need to trust that everything is working out in the way that it's supposed to and that you're leading yourself there i think something that society religion and stuff like that takes away from us is um that you're leading your life you know we're led by politicians because the politician understands what's best for you than not we're led by fathers the head of the houses you know because apparently your father knows what's better for you than yourself you're led by your teacher you're led by your pastor you're led so leading and self-leadership is an external thing we're taught in society that you have to see somebody else doing it in order to feel like you can do it you have to get permission from your whoever to do what you need to do. Then only do you know. You have to get permission from God to do what you need to do. Then mm. only can you know that you're doing it. Mm. But it's like, no, you're leading yourself. When you wake up in the morning and you make yourself breakfast, who's making that breakfast? <laughs> the president is not in there feeding you, right? Yeah, the yeah, president yeah. ain't sitting with you. You know what I'm saying? You know, in as much as we believe in God, God is not this outside man who's going to come and sit next to you and give you all the answers, right? You have to study for that. So we are doing so much heavy lifting, but society wants to tell us that that heavy lifting is not ours. Mm. That heavy lifting does not belong to us. It belongs to other people. It's somebody else who is causing us to do this. I listened to a podcast called Hindsight by a, a, a guy who calls himself Heinz. Um, I mean, his name is Heinz, but he calls himself Hindsight. Mm-hmm. And um, he talks about respecting ourselves, that we have so much, we've been able to be conditioned to have so much more respect for our boss. So we show up at, to work on time. We have more respect mm-hmm. for our friends. So when they need us, we drop everything and we go to them. But when we want to start a YouTube channel, it take us nine years. We're like, ah, no, ah, no, ah, no. Right, we're so right. we're so used to betraying ourselves. We're so used to disappointing ourselves, but we never want to disappoint other people, mm-hmm. right? And that's what society has conditioned us to do. So we need to take it upon ourselves to learn that we have to trust ourselves. We have to build our own authority in our own lives to say that I am the authority. So when I say I'm waking up at 6 a.m., I'm waking up at 6 a.m. When I say I want to start doing yoga, I'm doing it. I want to start a podcast, I'm doing it. Come hell or high water because you would do that at a drop of a hat for your boss, for your mm. mom, for your friend. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. Man, I, being myself someone of words, I'm speechless. So, <laughs> so you know. <laughs> gonna take i'm taking a moment to to let that sink in um because it's profound because because there's layers to it because there is a it's a what you said in your answer is in my view a a new way to look at how to make this life how to include everyone in this life because Initially, in my mind, the answer about how do we find that call is to remain quiet and pay attention. But on the contrary, you kind of like shift the paradigm here and you're like, no, it's in 
it's in doing it's in it's in it's in listening to everything it's not only listening with our ears but it's it, we can listen with different ways mm-hmm. and i've i've never fully grasped that myself so that's why it takes me a little while to to digest that because there are there are people who 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 can see things differently so they will hear things differently mm-hmm. right um and we have to and it it democratized and that's what liberation is not democracy in terms of like our politics and all that it's it's democracy in terms of like a freedom to enter that sphere that we want for ourselves the freedom to feel mm-hmm. and to be to to give our permissions to be so so thank you for that message that that mm-hmm. um that resonated deep with me and and I will I have notebooks all over the place in my house and and I take notes sometimes and I reflect on a bunch of things so I will definitely reflect on that part so so thank mm-hmm. you for thank you for that for that deep message um you were talking about um giving our permission to to be writing lyrics and and there's a there's your song your sing your last your latest single that's been on repeat at least for me um apocalyptic apocalyptic sunset and um you you are a singer and 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 the the song is a poem and a song at the same time mm-hmm. um um and but what got you to to embrace that that part of of singing and, and mm-hmm. you mentioned that you were in a choir but how did you get to like you know say you know what i'm going to go and and start making my first single and you have an album that you're probably working on on, on right now i and, do I do have an album. I've been singing my whole life. Um, I have two sisters and a brother. Uh, my brother is, let me do the math real quick, like nine years. Is he nine years? Like nine, eight years younger than me. Mm. Um, but my sisters and I are a little bit closer in age. So prior to my brother being born, my sisters and I would always perform. So we'd like maybe listen to Destiny's Child or listen to mm. some other song or whatever. And we always knew we could sing, you know, maybe we never really were told like, oh, you have the best voice in the world. But like, we knew we could sing because we liked the way we sounded. We liked the way one another sounded. And so we would always sing together when we were cleaning, you know, mm-hmm. Sunday ritual, wake up in the morning, play some Whitney Houston, some Anita Baker, play some gospel music, like go through the whole iteration of music, right. play some jazz music. And just music was a big part of my life from when I was a child. My dad plays music every single day. There's not a day that goes by and my dad will not listen to music. So music has always been in my life. Mm. Being in church, I was in the choir. In school, I was in the school choir. And again, I never really thought much about my voice. You know, I was just like, I can hold a note. I've got a regular singing voice. Like, it's nothing impeccable. You know, when I was listening to mainstream um, mainstream American musicians, you know, everybody sings kind of in like a higher pitch. It's very mm-hmm. like, you know, it's very, you know, in that way with the runs and all of the stuff. But the music back home was around storytelling and like singing almost with your talking voice, you know? And so mm. trying to balance in my head this level of like, do I sing like a celebrity or do I sing like 
somebody who I admire in my hometown, like a Huma Sigela and Miriam Makeba, who is both telling a story, but also singing, but also talking at the very same time, you know? But again, didn't really think much about it. Was way more focused on my poetry. Started performing spoken word, open mic, stuff like that. Came to Vancouver, continued to do that thing. And I was always using or sheltering myself under my poetry. So I Mm. didn't have to sing, right? Because I always thought, Mm. yeah, I just have an okay singing voice. And my voice doesn't sound singing the way that when I hear other people's voice, I think it sounds. I don't know. There's this way that I that I that I sing that might not always be in the right pitch consistently throughout the whole song Mm -hmm. but that's because I'm not trying to reach a particular pitch like when I sing I'm not singing something that's already created I'm creating it as I'm singing it so it's going to be very dynamic but that is almost like a chaotic way of making music if we think about mm-hmm. the music that we hear in the music industry even locally everybody has this clean way of making music you know but african jazz music is nothing but consistent it's you never really know what sound is coming next where they're going with it what's happening so right. i never had that exposure in vancouver to a sound like that being okay or listened to. Um, and then I hit 30 last year. And I was like, for my 30s, I'm diving into being an artist. I'm diving into it. I'm going to offer myself the full permission to go into it. I'm dedicating my 30s to my creativity. I'm dedicating my 30s to being a musician and to being an artist and to really going as far as it'll take me. And so mm-hmm. last year I started performing and then I started singing in my performances. So I started singing some traditional songs, you know, something that didn't need a backing track. Um, right. Was singing a cappella, you know, and kind of just teasing it a little bit here and there, teasing it, teasing it. And I realized that actually my singing is just as powerful as my poetry, but is it, 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 it adds to it. It adds a layer of etherealness it adds a layer of spiritedness it adds Mm. a layer of like soul touching gospelness i don't know what it is about when i sing and do poetry together it's it's transcendental really i feel like i put people into a trance that allows Mm. me to like you know like a siren you know i'm singing to you and all that stuff but instead of killing you afterwards i just speak poetry to you you know what i'm (laughs) saying and completely revolutionize your world even for just that moment of the set you know and right, so right. for the past couple of years i've been singing and i wrote this poem apocalyptic sunset is about a, a situationship that i was in and um, had a blast uh, on one of our dates really amazing and the way that i process is to write if i don't i i usually tell people if i don't write a poem about you you don't mean that much to me <laughs> and so, because quite honestly Mm. like if i don't process you through poetry i forget Mm. that thing you know so if Mm. i don't write about it i'm either not processing it at the time or it just didn't have like a soul deep uh significance so whatever um so you know this experience was really really awesome i wrote a poem about it apocalyptic sunset i think we had the date and then i went home and on the way home i wrote the poem 
Mm. And um, I shared it with the person and, you know, it was great and all that kind of stuff. And then I met a producer, at, uh, Josh, at Helm Studios. And Helm is the only that I know of nonprofit recording studio in the city. Mm. And mm. so depending on what you can afford and stuff like that, they're very open to like pay what you can, pay what you whatever, because they are sub, uh, they they subsist off of grants and donation and funding, which makes it a lot less of a financial burden for artists in the city to get into the recording studio. You know, because it's expensive to make music. It it's expensive mm -hmm. to make mm -hmm. music, and I think this is also something that contributed to my kind of putting it off because I was like, I don't have a hundred and fifty dollars to drop to get a track. And then uh, another $150 to drop in the studio. And then yep. another $150 for somebody to master it. Are you nuts? And then I put it on Instagram and it's listened to by two people. Are you nuts? Or on Spotify, right. like it's such right. a, it's such a financially heavy process. And to obviously now be in this world where we're trying to be viral or we're trying to be the next best thing, or it's really uh, important for you to get streams, to get views, mm -hmm. for people to engage mm -hmm. with your stuff. You can't just make it anymore just for the love of it if you actually want it to be your career, you know? That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I got into the studio. I explained to Josh how I felt about the poem. I wanted the poem, the poetry to be the forefront but also to have a jazzy sound to it because yeah, I grew up yeah. on jazz music. And I was like, I want to have a saxophone. I don't know a saxophonist as of yet, but let's make this song and I will find a saxophonist. And I found Gordy, who was my saxophonist. And mm. we recorded the vocal, we recorded the whole song and the saxophone was put on last. And I sent it to Gordy and I said, listen, I don't play saxophone. I also don't arrange music. So I'm not going to tell you what to do because I have no clue. <laughs> what I do want is I know what I want the saxophone to feel like. So I want mm. you to listen to this, this song and I want you to respond to what I'm saying with the saxophone. It's a So the poem and the saxophone must have a conversation backed by this bass line. That's what wow. I told Gordy. And he got into the studio and he smashed it. Yes. Smashed it. I yes. was like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? You know what I'm saying? And yeah. so then Apocalyptic Sunset was birthed. And honestly, when I wrote it in that Uber ride home, when I wrote the poem, I didn't know intellectually that it would have music to it. But mm -hmm. when I wrote it in my heart and in my soul, this is what I was writing. I already right. had heard it in this way. It just mm. took all that time for it to materialize and become the song that it is today. And I think one of my favorite things that I hear from people is that, A, they love the song. B, they think the song is sexy and sensual. Mm. And C, they've added it to their sex playlist playlist that wow. they play with it. i'm like <laughs> yes add me to your sex playlist <laughs> i love it i love it oh wow let that's me, amazing let me Man, you know I, what i'm saying <laughs> hey the song is the song is very good and my my 
the 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 centrality the 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 tenderness the the loving part and the the also the unknown that is in that in that song because there's the there's the um you know on the first um um we on the first i i don't want to misquote i don't want to misquote mm-hmm. it but um it's kind of like a one two three step that's happening so on the first yeah. thing that happened the second thing that happened and then third thing oh it's an unknown it's like yeah. a discovery so so it was it was beautiful and and because myself like i am a teacher at school so we we break down which sometimes I don't like to do, but we break down a lot of songs and a lot of poems. And every time I hear something, I kind of like break it down. And I'm like, my goodness, there's a discovery here that I don't know. And the part also that is very nostalgic for me in that, in that song is my dad is a saxophone player. And, and I grew up listening to, I think I was in the womb and probably like already, you know, like just going, like the saxophone is, and every time I hear a saxophone, I stop and I'm like, geez, what the hell is going on here? Right. So my brother is a is a is a um musician as well, but he doesn't play the saxophone for him. And I I I don't want to make that claim, but for him, it's like saxophone is the smoothest sound that exists. And and I'm like, you know, <laughs> it's bold. I would it's agree. Bold. I would it's agree. Bold. It's this saxophone? Oh my goodness. Okay, brass instruments. I am obsessed with brass instruments. Mm. Like there's many things people can do. You can be a millionaire, you can be hot, you can be whatever, you can be <laughs> funny, you know, you can have game, you can have all these things. You can bring me flowers. You can do everything anyone would want in order to be like, yeah, definitely you're getting it tonight. You pull out a brass instrument, honey. Take my soul. Take my I'm yours. When are we getting married? Also, you are not allowed to do anything. You can't have a job. You can't have a social because you're playing me that instrument every single moment of the day. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Come on. I have a friend of mine. I have a friend of mine. She has something for bass players. She's like, if you play the bass, I'm sorry. That's my weak spot. So... (laughs) These instruments, they be getting us, they, they be doing us dirty. They be doing us dirty. Because how can an instrument make me want to give my soul to somebody? How can an instrument make me want to give my soul to somebody? Please come together with yourself. What? No. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's, uh, th- that's some, this, I don't, I hate saying that, but those instruments have some like crazy magic in them, you know? They have like, there's something there's something in there, you know, like there's some instruments. Um I, I don't know, like nice voices. For me, an artist, if you if you can sing well and you can like master words well, mm-hmm. that's it. For me, I'm like mm-hmm. you can that's it. Like <laughs> It's like I agree. You're, you're gonna sing and you're gonna talk the entire time. I don't need <laughs> You're just coming in asking questions. Okay, thank you for answering my question. So this is my next question, like the longest question in the world, and you just sit there like Just like hey, I'll I'll bring the softest ball. I'll I'll throw the softest ball and then I'm just like go out go at it, man. Go for it. Oh my goodness. What <laughs> what a trip. Um so my so as an artist in Vancouver, for a city that have a reputation 
of being no fun city. Mm-hmm. How is it to be an artist in in Vancouver, British Columbia? Oh, it's really interesting to be an artist in BC. I feel like I don't know. It feels really interesting. I in some in some levels, I'm wondering like, is there a lack of opportunity, or is it a, it's just me not having the drive or the resilience to get mm. these opportunities, right? I'm a little bit, it seems a little bit mysterious. I think that's the problem with the art scene in the city. It's like, it's so mysterious because those five guitar players are playing for 15 bands or 15 mm. people, you know? Mm. So it would seem like we have a shortage of people who can play instruments because I can't play any instruments besides my vocal cords. Um, but, you know, it, it it would seem like we have a shortage of people who are playing, who can play instruments. But I think we have a shortage of confidence because we have, we don't have a lot of spaces where people are creating together, not mm-hmm. with like, I'm going to create with you so we can make the song so we can go and become this next big sensation. Like there's not a lot of places where we can create for the sake of creating, uh, you know, just recently couch, 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 collective couch jams, no couch jams, couch jams, um, is a space for BIPOC artists to come in like jam basically, um, mm. and perform. It's like an open mic slash little concert, whatever the case is. It happens at the Vancouver black, uh, the van black library in Chinatown. Mm-hmm. That's a space that's kind of created this thing that I'm talking about, but like an area where we can demystify the creative process as right. an artist right now, as I'm trying to break into the music scene, it seems impossible. It's there's no, I don't know how people are getting from emerging to playing three festival shows in the summer. Mm. I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's just because everybody who went to school is linking with each other and they're kind of gatekeeping and keeping that together. I don't know if it's me not talking to the right people. I don't know if mm. I'm supposed to be standing outside in the street with the sign to say, hey, chat to me because I'm a musician like right right it's, it makes it so hard to navigate because everything just seems so hidden so far mm. away so unknown mm-hmm. and I don't and like you know I've been here for eight years now eight almost nine years but like I still feel like I'm in the same place mm-hmm. as I was the first time I got into the poetry scene it's so there's so much mystery you know right. like Right now, I'm looking to develop a team because I know it's important to have a team. But in as much as I know it's important to have a team, I have no clue who to have on my team. I don't know mm-hmm. how many people. People are always advising you when you get a team, make sure it's people that you trust because people can stab you in the back. And then you're like, what are you talking about? So like, I can't trust anybody. Like, I'm supposed to have a deep, intricate relationship with the people that are on my team. But the people that I have deep, intricate relationships with are my friends who have no right. interest to be on my team because when I take things professionally, I'm not friendly with it. You know what That's I'm saying? Right. Like That's we're right. getting down to the thing that we're doing. You it you are the expert, so you have to lead me to greatness in your field mm-hmm. and you must get it to and I know my friends don't have that, you know? So like it's really it's really hard. It's a challenge. I don't know 
what the solution is, but I'm still trying to figure it out myself. But it just seems so mis- mysterious. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. this far-fetched idea, like being an artist in Vancouver, it's this far-fetched idea. You either are or you aren't, and there's no in-between. And the journey to getting there, you That's might right. as well rub a bloody bottle and get a genie out of it. Like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, I, I, I feel you, and I, I hear you on that. And I, my, myself, I, I never fully ventured in the arti- artistic scene in Vancouver um, because I kind of like, was more geared towards being a teacher um and and but my my poetry is kind of like on the side and i write mostly when i'm angry so <clears throat> so my poetry is like my poetry is like a place where it's like you know there's rage in there and it just you're just dumping in there but i i do i do hear you know the the lack or the the lack of opportunity or maybe maybe i i interpret it like that but i don't think that it's all the artists that do not want to take the opportunity. You see what I mean? Like mm. I, I think, I think like it's probably really a lack of opportunity, and it's great to have those initiatives that that you mentioned. Um, we we have been, it's been like a true black conversation um, that we've been having there. We we dive into you know land and and mm-hmm. deep stuff and. And I've I've laughed like I've not laughed for for a few few weeks. So so thank you for that. Thank you for that release. That's that's beautiful. Um, my 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 last question as we are landing here for you. You do so many things. We started talking about having a busy schedule. You trying to, you know, making it as an artist and and embracing all the beautiful things that you do. Um. <laughs> What is it, how is it to exist at the intersection of all those dimensions that you tap into? How, how, how is life at that intersection? An artist, a poet, a spoken word artist, uh, uh, life coaching and, 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 and being able to connect with your, with your land, like all these, all these things. How is it to live or to exist at that intersection? It's it's intense, really. It's intense. It's a lot. It's a lot of um, juggling. It's a lot of balancing, you know. I, and when I say intense, I, 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 I'm, I'm such a linguist, but I'm also such a storyteller and I'm also such a teacher that every time I express myself in language, I always want to make sure to cover all the bases so that people are understanding what I'm trying to say without perverting it with their own um, ideas of what a good word is, what a negative word is, and all that kind of stuff. So when I say intense, I don't mean it's bad. I don't mean it's hard. I'm just saying it is a lot. There is a lot mm. to balance because not only do I have these intersections in, you know, the roles that society has me assuming, you know, I have to share with everybody how I identify with my gender, my race, all this kind of stuff. You know, in society, when we're talking with each other, what work do you do? What do you like? What's your favorite color? All this kind of stuff, you know, <laughs> but like, I also have my own internal understandings and um, intersections as well with the way that I think about the world, you know, the way that I, I choose to show up every day. I'm such an intentional person with, with how I want to show up because I know it's so important to show up 
in a particular way so that it not only does it make sense outside of me, but it makes sense inside of me as well. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot, it's intense. And I was talking to somebody yesterday who uh, reads your birth chart. Do you know what a birth chart is? I've, oh. I've, I have a vague idea of it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So what essentially happens, I love talking about this stuff. So, of course, okay. let's go. So what, let's go. <laughs> so what essentially happens when you're born, right, is that as you can see every single day, when you look up at the sky, the stars are in a particular place, right? Mm-hmm. The stars might not necessarily be moving, but the, the earth is moving, which means that the stars that you see and the way that you see them is different, a little bit different every time. The planets, mm-hmm. as they're also orbiting, are in different places every single day, right? They're gradual small changes, but also gradual different places on a daily basis. So when you were born, that day, that timestamp, that part of the day, that part of the year, part of the Earth, whatever the case is, that timestamp is not mm-hmm. only a physical timestamp like you're born at 1.30 a.m., but it's also a cosmic timestamp. It's also an astrological timestamp. So the planets and the stars were in a particular place when you were born where they were not at that place when I was born, right? Mm. And so that creates what they call a birth chart. And so the birth chart maps out for you where was Jupiter, where was the sun, where was the moon, where was Mm. Venus, where was Mars? And then also what does this mean in how you are you as a person? So the world... Our DNA, the matrix, gives Mm -hmm. us individuals our own human code as who we are. And so when we're thinking about astrology, when we're thinking about human design, when we're thinking about all of these things, it's just finding the codes about ourselves and our Mm -hmm. own human fabric, right? Our Mm -hmm. own DNA that surpasses the blood, the chromosomes, that also goes into spirituality as well. Right. Um, And so... I find that because I'm learning all of these codes about myself and I know what my birth chart is, um, she was reading my birth chart and she was just saying to me that I struggle a lot because I have a lot of meaning and a lot of things that I want to get out, but I can never, with the words that I'm using, explain to you exactly what I'm trying Mm. to say. And that is the biggest struggle that I have with all of these intersections is that in as much meaning, in as much uh, expression of what I want to express, and I express myself a lot. If you follow me on Instagram, you know I express myself (laughs) a lot. (laughs) You know, but even in those videos, like those 30 second, eight seconds videos, for me, that is eight years worth of something that I've processed, that I've Mm -hmm. calculated, that I've come to understand that I've squeezed into eight seconds, but then I always have this impulse to like create 10,000 other diagrams or 10,000 other graphics to really describe to you why my face was cocked to the side, my head was up, the thing was here, the what was this, the plant, you can only see seven of the leaves. You can Mm. like, because everything is meaning, everything is purposeful, everything is intentional, Mm -hmm. you know? And depending on how woo-woo or depending on how deep you want to get into the purpose and the meaning of life without losing, obviously, the fact that you have to live in this 3D world, 
you can create meaning out of everything, you know, and in as much as that can be like, ah, you're just making meaning of that. Like it didn't really mean that if we flip it the other way and say, if you don't create that meaning, you actually then don't have your purpose. And this is why a lot of people are walking around purposeless is because they are refusing to create the meaning with their life. Cause again, you lead yourself, you create your life. So if you don't think that the bus coming exactly at the time when you left your house and it took you two minutes and the bus came at the exact same time and you don't see that as a beautiful, magical thing that happened only purely because for you, to you, and for your best good, what are you doing, Chale? You know, Mm. you'll never be able to see the magic, to feel that not only are you living in the magic, but that you are the magic casting itself. You are the spell casting itself day after day after day after day. Wow. Wow. People, that's been the Teach Reach podcast, man. Like, <laughs> damn. <laughs> wow. 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 Palessa. Um, it's you know, you mentioned something. I wrote it down on my notebook here. You mentioned that life at this intersection is intense. And then you finish by spelling right and create and meaning and everything and and spelling is is the way that we you know we spell words but there's also like the 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 mystical and the magical that is attached to spelling and then w- when i when i break down intense we are inside a tense a tense is a verb and a verb is an action we are inside the action um so you open a rabbit hole for me for the rest of the day that I'm out of commission. Thank you very much, Palessa. <laughs> <laughs> You're very welcome. And I feel like my purpose on this podcast has been fulfilled tenfold. Oh, oh listen, from, from, from 30 seconds in, it was already fulfilled. <laughs> and then the rest is, the rest is history. Um, I really like you- that. I didn't actually think, sorry, I didn't really think about intense in that way. And I use the word intense a lot intense it's like we are we are within the action right it's 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 movement it's a lot it's charged intense Mm -hmm. inside inside the tense and inside the verb inside the action and we have to spell the action and the action is the driver of the sentence and driver of the meaning um it's it's pure grammatical um it's oh my goodness i'm i'm floored i'm floored um i'm floored You've been doing a lot of teaching, and the podcast is called Teach Reach. You've done your teach. You 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 guided us to a beautiful journey of of when you arrive here on Turtle Island, your ancestry, the, the meaning behind it, how it how it you know direct your life. Now the the last part is really where can people reach you? Reach the beautiful that beautiful things that you do. Where can people reach, follow you? Um, um, the red carpet is rolled out for you to to plug in the beautiful things that you do. Thank you. Um, so, I mean, I feel like at one point in time, I'm going to change my name that I show up as from Palisa Koitziwe to Imbali Blooming, just mm. so it's consistent because <clears throat> I want people to be able to find me 
whether you're looking at me, you're looking for me on Spotify or you're looking for my TED Talks once I'm on TED Talks. Or you um, will. I want you to be able to locate me. You know what I'm saying? Once I'm talking at different universities, I want you to be able to locate me. You know what I'm saying? Spellcasting for myself right now. But um, on Instagram, you can follow me as Imbali underscore Blooming. So I-M-B-A-L-I underscore B-L-O-O-M-I-N-G. If you just follow that page, that's perfect because that will link you out to all of my other pages. I link them in my bio. Uh, I think I still have them in my bio. If not, there's a lot of posts in there um, and a lot of um, highlight stuff that is pertaining to each of those different segments of me that I'm willing to express for the time being. Um, you can also go into my link tree, which is the link in my bio, and you'll see like upcoming shows. This year, I became a So Far artist. I have a show. My next show with So Far is September 28th. So you can go ahead and um, come to the show. Come listen to some aspects of my EP. I'm trying to persuade these two wonderful gentlemen to be my musicians for the show, which will be the first time ever that I play with musicians. So I'm really excited. We might have a trumpet on stage with us. So you know oh. what I'm saying? Oof. Yes come through um and yeah every everything that i do will be on my instagram page every single thing that i do will be on my instagram page uh, my website comes on and off depending on how much i want to invest myself into a capitalistic lifestyle so mm. if you happen to catch my website when i've paid my subscription there's a lot of fun stuff on there just a lot of like uh type of um workshops that i've done and stuff like that but just dm me um, I can, you can always on Instagram also email me directly from Instagram to chat to me. You can book me for gigs, whether it's speaking, singing, poetry, teaching. Um, yeah, work with me, collaborating. I help host a lot of community events. Um, and I have build and grow and develop a lot of community organizations. So if you're an organization that's looking for something, reach out to me. And if I can't do it, I'll get somebody else to, you know, because I'm well connected in the city. Um, but other than that, like, I think the best way to really reach me is to choose joy, even just once in the day. When you choose joy, I know spiritually in the collective, I also feel it. Wow, beautiful. Thank you very much for, for a beautiful moment. I, I really appreciate the time that we spent. I value the time that you, that you, you know, carved out in, in your busy calendar to, to be there. And, and it's, it's been enlightening. And I say that to guests that I really appreciate is this space is your space. If you have a release, if you have a, something this space will always be there for you um so come back anytime you want this space is your space and and i'm sure that you know people will will benefit from from hearing your voice and hearing the beautiful things that you do and in your perspective and your and your depth so thank you very much for i'm i'm grateful to the max because i know that the rest of the day i'm going to spend thinking a lot so, you know, I'll probably send you a couple of DM to be like, what do you mean by this? And then, you know, take it from another one, right? So Bring it on. Bring <laughs> it on. Thank you for having me. This has been absolutely amazing. Like, I haven't been recording episodes of my own podcast, but um, after this podcast uh, 
guesting and kind of, you know, being welcomed here, I it really re-energizes me and, and reminds me why I love podcasting. And so mm-hmm. I feel like I might have left you thinking for the rest of the day, but I'm definitely leaving here going to go record my own podcast episode. So thank you. Amazing. Thank you very much, Palessa. And you can follow the Teach Reach podcast at teachreach underscore podcast on Instagram and follow us for the rest of season three. So everybody, hang in there and don't give up. Thank you for listening to the Teach Reach podcast. This podcast is produced by Dr. Lemstein Productions. Mixing and editing by Ian Lamb. If you are enjoying this podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, or give us a review on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at teachreach underscore podcast and tag us on your social media post and share with your friends with the hashtag teachreachpodcast. For our regular listeners, we truly appreciate your support. Thank you. You can find more about our podcast at teachreach.podbean.com. Until next time, Kembe Lapalage. Hang in there. Don't give up.